Welcome to Slow Stories. I'm Rachel Schwartzman, the founder of Connected Editorial and the host and creator of this podcast. For those of you just joining in, Slow Stories is a series that deep dives into the rising slow content movement. In each of these episodes, I interview brand builders, entrepreneurs, and creative professionals who share what slow content means in the context of what they're building and why slowing down and creating thoughtful stories is more important than ever. Today's episode begins with an opening story from Taylor Carraway, who shares a passage from a book that highlights the relationship between creativity and happiness. Here's more from Taylor. Hi, I'm Taylor Carraway, and I'm one of the founders of Happy Medium. We're a modern art supply company for casual artists. One of my favorite parts of my job is getting to meet people and talk to them about their art practice. And something that comes up again and again is the concept of slowing down. And it's because for a lot of people, making art is a way to slow down. And when they slow down, they spend more time in the moment and generally just feel happier and lighter. Recently, I was reading a book called How Art Can Make You Happy by Bridget Watson Payne. And I was happy to see that the second chapter opens with a quote from Andy Warhol that perfectly describes this concept. So I thought I'd read that to you today. Andy starts with, you need to let the little things that would ordinarily bore you suddenly thrill you. And Bridget Watson Payne continues, the world around you is spectacular, and not just the big things, the oceans and the sunsets and the Eiffel Tower and whatnot. Like Andy said, if you let yourself, you can see just as much wonder in the small stuff, the Campbell's soup can, the autumn sun on bricks, the eyelashes of a giraffe, Tuning in to the magnificence of reality, both natural and man-made, can increase your daily happiness quotient. Thank you. Thank you so much again to Taylor for sharing. Again, the book she read from was How Art Can Make You Happy by Bridget Watson Payne. Now here's my conversation with Sophia Amoruso. If you look closely enough, you'll realize that business is more creative than we typically give it credit for. Sophia Amoruso understands this all too well. And while many of us have witnessed the intimate details that have gone into building her past ventures, Sophia is looking forward as she launches her latest endeavor to help fellow entrepreneurs take flight. Enter Business Class, a newly launched course which is a one-way ticket for entrepreneurs that covers the fundamentals of starting and scaling your own business to achieve long-term success. Sophia's accidental foray into entrepreneurship has informed her current purpose-driven approach to creating content and resources that resonate in our digital age. The same approach holds true for Business Class as students have access to Sophia's extensive knowledge. And while she has many lessons to teach and stories to share, in this conversation, Sophia shared her thoughts on the role of creativity in conscious business, how her relationship with pace has changed, and what she's learned about slowing down and starting again. This episode is your first class ticket to an incredible conversation. So without giving too much more away, here's my conversation with Sophia Amoruso. You know, it's funny because we're in a world where everybody defines themselves by what they do. And that's the reason I'm on this podcast. That's why 
I'm working on what I'm working on. It's why anybody ever cared about anything I ever did. Once I had a little bit of traction, people wanted to wear clothes. And I've always been at odds with that because there's something disingenuous about being interested in someone because of something they accomplished within this, you know, this archetype of what success looks like. Um, and that often means money and it means accomplishment, and it means glory and it means attention. So it's a good question. Who am I outside of what I've accomplished? And there's been times where I've not been able to answer that question. Um, and it's and it's really tough, especially because I love what I do. And there's times where I want to say, okay, I'm talking about work again. But it's like, it's not work because I love it. I am a homeowner, a parent of three poodles, a girlfriend. I hate that word. I'm a daughter. I don't finish books. And I love mostly food and wondering about the mysteries of life when a weird little bird flies by. I love that. You don't finish books, but you've written a few. I know, and I, have to, I need to reread them. My mom's like, take your own advice. I mean, I obviously believe in the power of storytelling and you yourself have lived such a full life already. And obviously you have so many stories to tell. But before we get into your current chapter, I would love to have you share a story or a moment that inspired you to slow down or inspired a shift in pace so that you could be more in the moment. I have a swimming pool. This is so LA. Like we'll jump in, you know, sometimes we jump in on weekdays, which just feels like not that days of the week matter anymore, but there's something about doing something recreational on a weekday before dinner time that to me, just because I've worked with teams and in offices for so long, that's just like such a huge luxury is to do anything at like 5 p.m. while the sun's still out at home. Swimming is a great thing to do. And so we'll do that every so often. And we had like a water fight just kind of spontaneously. And it just felt like really freeing and funny and stupid and, you know, got water in my nose and so many methods to splashing other people. Because you can use your whole arm and just like slap the water like it's a wing. You can like get behind the water and kind of like push it forward like you're telling somebody to leave. It's fun. Well, I'm just jealous of anybody who has access to like a private outdoor space, let alone a pool. But you know, what a wonderful way to kind of come back to yourself and remove yourself from the day-to-day -day responsibilities, from screens, and just to kind of disconnect, to reconnect with some of the simpler times and moments. And you know, your story and experiences, especially with what you're doing right now, you're almost kind of coming back to some of those basics that you maybe sped past in the earlier chapters of your professional story, which also came about in tandem with the boom of social media and really culminated when you published Girl Boss. And so as you reflect on some of the more pivotal public moments that shaped your identity, would you say that your relationship with the girl boss narrative has evolved? Yeah, definitely. Um, my, my relationship with the word girl boss has changed because when I wrote that book, I was high on, you know, having built this rocket ship of a company. Uh, and it was a blast. People would walk up to me, they'd congratulate me, and I had to ask which thing they were congratulating me for. 
Like that's really weird. That's so weird because there were so many like milestones and then I got married and whatever. So many things happening. And it was a blast, but I was missing out on a lot with my personal life. I didn't, my house was kind of a crash pad and, you know, I hustle, 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 right? Like I was kind of a baby boomer when I wrote that book. I, I was a little behind millennials in a lot of ways. Like I am one, but you know, as working like someone who was like, you know, I used to say, well, I think I wrote in Girl Boss, like, if you don't walk as fast as me, why am I paying you? Which is just like, I get it, Sophia, like your last job is $13 an hour in lobby, like you're paying people more than you've ever made and they're slow. Like, what is this? But at the same time, speed doesn't necessarily equal productivity. Everybody works different. There's all this stuff I learned, you know, just through trial and error through being kind of a crappy leader, through thinking that everybody has to move as fast as me or everybody has to move fast, period, which isn't the case. And I am so grateful to be in a place where um, not only teams that I've managed, but culture in general, hustle culture is something that has become a bit passe. Not to say I'm not hustling on building business class and you know hustled my coffee until before we got on this podcast this morning. Um, we're in a time where the world has really forced us to slow down. And being in my mid-30s, I never thought I would be so domestic. Like the girl on the cover of that book is not domestic. So um, <laughs> it's it's just interesting watching, you know, your life change while you're in it, right? Being the poster child for the edginess and hustle, this and that. Now, you know, wearing glasses and having like a you know, soccer mom haircut and Birkenstock sitting below me at my desk. So uh, while Girlboss inspired a lot of people, I think also it's it's not as simple as any book can really communicate. And Girlboss is inspiring maybe for the start of your career, or the start of something. But the spirit of Girlboss and the pace that, you know, I was going at is not something that's always sustainable or should be. For sure. And I think now what you're doing with business class, you have a chance to rewrite the playbook for other founders to take flight, so to speak. I love a pun. There's so many puns. Totally. Yeah. Expect more puns and platitudes during this conversation. Um, I feel like with business class and you just moving into the online education space, you're creating more access in terms of how people embrace their own pace when it comes to building businesses, especially as we become more interconnected. So with that said, walk me through what business class is and what you feel like it's offering that you also feel might have been something missing from the narrative that you were sharing uh, before this time. You know, I bootstrapped my first business nasty gal when I was 22 for, you know, over four years, maybe five to 30 million in revenue, which was crazy. And that was in some ways probably the hardest thing I ever did because I didn't have investors. Um, and that's, and that's the thing I can, I have the most direct kind of responsibility for because I turned $1 into 10 into a hundred thousand into a million, which is like crazy to think back on how that ever actually happened. And I've spent the last several years of my career now running venture-backed businesses, having investors, and that's a very, very different game. Um, I think I'm a lot better bootstrapping a business. I'm kind of a, I shoot from the hip. I'm an accidental entrepreneur. I started my businesses with Squarespace, 
for girl boss, you know, to sell tickets to a conference and, uh, for nasty gal, it was an eBay store, right. And PayPal, there was no Shopify or Etsy or Squarespace or Venmo or cash app or like any of these tools that we have now. And I'll always be the girl who's kind of at that stage. I think there's a certain part of our lives where we kind of like, I hope I didn't peak or leave off somewhere, but like that's at the core kind of who I am is that girl that was schlepping vintage clothing around and curating vintage clothing, not the girl who, you know, wound up with a few hundred employees on the cover of Forbes looking like she knew what's up. Like, that's just like, that was fun. It's cool. Show grandkids maybe someday if I ever have kids. But, you know, as I've, as I've entered this new phase of my career, left girl boss business that had like 20, 25 employees at our largest and now doing something as scrappily as possible, beautifully, but scrappily as possible bootstrapping. Um, Like I don't want investors. I want to be close to my business. I'm building an online course with business class for entrepreneurs who are going to also be close to their businesses. And it's for a bootstrapped entrepreneur who wants to build something that's profitable and sustainable for themselves, not necessarily someone who wants to create the next billion dollar app, because I am just not qualified to teach that course. You know, I think about the way I do, I operate businesses best in the way small business owners operate their businesses best is when, and I try not to make these kinds of messes, but you know, maybe you still live like this, or when you were younger, your bedroom had piles of clothes in it right? Like when I had, I had, I had racks and racks of vintage. I, and there's no rhyme or reason. There's no organization to it, but you have this shorthand because you're in it. You know exactly in which pile that sock or whatever thing it is, because you put it there. If I have a bunch of messy piles, they're my piles, right? And that's what feeling close to your business and really kind of being in it and understanding it is. And that's the most exciting part. And so business class is something I really wish I had, you know, it's an eight week premium online uh, course that I'm teaching with weekly zoom calls. There's hours and hours of video content. There's, you know, over 150 pages of worksheets um, that is, you know, that are self-led there's legal documents that I wish I had, or even knew I needed. Like I didn't even know what to type into Google. You know, so I had Google, you know, I could learn things on the internet, but I didn't even, I didn't know what I didn't know. And now I've really learned, I learned the hard way. I've extracted a lot from a lot of people and I've given, right? Like girl bosses help me, but like I'm at a phase in my career where all I want to do is harvest what I've learned, good and bad for a generation of entrepreneurs who are building businesses or people who want to build businesses, right? And it could mean you're a freelance creative. It could mean you have a small store online. It could mean you have five employees and you're, you know, you have a local printing business or whatever that may be. It runs the gamut for service and, um, you know, and product entrepreneurs or based businesses. Um, but it's for something that, you know, meets the entrepreneur where they are. Um, not assuming that they have a degree in business, but gives them everything they need to sidestep the landmines that I stepped in um, or learned way too late and had already made decisions down the road that were too hard to to course correct. So I want to be your periscope. I, I want to be that periphery for you to help you build that periphery as an entrepreneur. Um, 
And it just feels incredibly good. I have a beta group um, of about 10 entrepreneurs who I took through the content as I, as I was writing it and um, the worksheets. Just getting on the phone for you know an hour once a week with these guys has been so rewarding and changed their businesses so much that I never, I, I just, I, I don't know why I didn't start doing this sooner, but really seeing the kind of impact that I'm able to make with all of my, all of the experience that has now aged me, you know, I might as well benefit from it, right? Like yeah. other people might as well benefit from it because I've sacrificed a lot to learn what I have. Yeah. And I think the best kind of opportunity to learn is when it's rooted in, you know, mutually beneficial relationships. And I'm sure as you've gone through, you know, the beta group, you've probably run into unexpected narratives that have made you slow down or rethink some things. I would assume just because what you're doing is so community-based. And obviously you're no stranger to using digital platforms from editorial to podcasting to social to build these resources and these communities. And, you know, with that, there's a big responsibility. And so I'm curious if there are any particular lessons that you've learned about the power and the responsibility of making storytelling accessible in the greater business community. Yeah, completely. I think business is just this mystifying thing. It's got a capital B and we grow up thinking business people carry briefcases and wear, you know, baggy suits that fall off their shoulders. And business is really creative. Everything about business can be creative. And I wrote that in Girl Boss, like the way you slap a shipping label in a box can be creative. You can make the most menial tasks fun and joyful. And that's what I want to do with business class throughout the course. Uh, I, it's an experience. Like I want you to get in there and I want it to feel like Disneyland. I don't want it to feel like a sterile environment. Um, that's, you know, overly academic. It's not something that panders to anybody that assumes that they're a dummy, but it's also something where, you know, I'm putting myself in the shoes of the, of the girl who, you know, who's a community college dropout from Sacramento, like myself, who just started something right? And doesn't know all of the acronyms. And I'm not going to assume you know what a KPI is or LTV and lifetime value and all of these like words that end up kind of boggling your mind and intimidating you. Like I'm taking everybody, I'm taking the students through all of that. So it's aspirational, but it's also accessible. The way it's taught is very democratic. Um, and what isn't, what's not easy to learn uh, will have this kind of net of entrepreneurs in this community uh, that's actually a digital social app called The Lounge because, of course, business class, The Lounge. I mean, the puns are endless. <laughs> um, yeah. Amazing. And obviously, a lot of thought and planning and prep went into designing the course. But do you think it would have been something completely different had we not experienced what we're collectively experiencing with the pandemic, political discourse, and just the general sort of cultural reckoning? You know, I would still be running Girlboss. Girlboss got eaten by COVID. We were on a roll. I had sold the company at the end of last year. We had a financial partner who's, you know, going to continue funding and growing the business. And uh, we were doing huge brand partnerships for events um, with, you know, sponsors. And that all fell apart. 
you know, we couldn't do the girl boss rally. So were it not for COVID, I'd still be doing girl boss, which I loved. In terms of the online educational space, it's something I think is really needed. Before I decided to do business class, I was certain I was never starting a business again. Didn't want employees, didn't want responsibility, didn't want liability. I'm just going to go be an influencer and make content, right? I'm going to go be talent or write books and do podcasts. That sounds like a great lifestyle. But it's also one where I, one, I don't see the direct results of my work. I can inspire people and share stuff, but I'm not really giving them everything I have to give, which I do with business class, but also relying on someone to sponsor a thing or a book deal. So much of that is out of my control. I feel like, you know, COVID has really put a lot of us in a dry, in the driver's seat in a way that I did not want again. But now that I'm starting my third company, I absolutely love it. And I'm a total masochist. I have a team of three full-time, which is crazy. I don't know like how huge business class is going to be, um, but I want it to be an incredibly great experience. So I have found this time to be one of reflection and one where I've actually surprised myself and found myself doing things that I totally didn't plan for three months ago when I was building an incredible company called Girl Boss with an incredible team. Yeah. And I think a lot of what you're saying goes back to what I'm exploring with slow stories, this need to lead with value, both for yourself and for your community, and also to create things that have longevity in the sense of how is this going to serve me as a human outside of what I'm known for professionally? And I think if anything, time has taught us that when it comes to building things, we will always kind of be doing a gut check to see what makes sense in terms of the choices that we're making and the questions that we're asking of ourselves and of others. With that in mind, something that I always like to ask my guests is if there is a particular question they hope people start asking them more often. I think oftentimes when we're in this space, we've kind of painted ourselves in a certain way, and so people only feel compelled to ask certain things. But I'm curious now, as you start this new chapter, if there's a new question that you want people to ask you. The top questions I get can be kind of disappointing. Like, what would you tell your 22-year-old self? Like, that's just so, I get that so often. It's like, mm, maybe nothing because she wouldn't have listened. and. I wouldn't have done anything differently, so why bother? Um, um, you know, I think purpose is just increasingly important for all of us. Um, purpose-led businesses, businesses that we can wake up every day and feel like we're making an impact and actually make an impact, not just feel like it. It's easy to tell yourself that what you're doing is making an impact, but the only way you know is to see the results that you know come of people's lives and you're delighting them or you're helping them progress their careers, or you're giving them a product that improves their life or improves their mood um, or gives them hope, uh, solves a problem for them. So I think the era of stuff is kind of over and impact is at the top of the list and should be for everybody. And so I want entrepreneurs to ask, you know, when they are lost or when they feel off track, to really connect to what it is, why it is that they started, or if they, you know, if they haven't really nailed that purpose, how they can do that in a way that 
connects them to their their business and makes it more than the sum of its parts. Yeah, it's really important. And I think too, as we kind of start these conversations or engage in amazing initiatives like business class, it's going to be really important to be intentional about our time and where we're giving it to. And I think in our age of, you know, performative social media or just being distracted by content that isn't in service of some of the things that we've talked about in terms of leaving an impact, it's worth asking this question, which happens to be my last question that I like to ask to bring these conversations full circle. And that question is, why do you think slowing down our relationship to content will ultimately help us live, work, and feel better? I mean, content is everywhere. We're all creating content. Content is marketing. Content is, you know, no like trust factor. You know, everybody's just throwing content into the world and I've been guilty of it. I think content with value that inspires and educates is way more important or makes people laugh. I try to do a lot of that, but you know, there's a lot of content for the sake of content showing off and just awful news out there and clickbait. And the same way that like, we wouldn't go eat everything at the supermarket, right? We wouldn't just every piece of food that we walk by. And with content, we don't have we don't have the ability to filter that because it's just everywhere. It's in front of us. If you're using the internet, or if you're on your phone, it's in front of you. It's really hard to to diet with your content. We're in a very tense time. Most of us personally are are, you know, concerned with our livelihoods. Um, Nothing feels secure uh, personally for so many of us. And then, you know, economically and politically that, you know, it's important to stay in touch, but there's certainly a point where you're consuming too much to the point where it's, it just consumes you and focusing on ourselves, who we love, what matters in life what we can control. It's really important during this time. And as much as it feels like we, we're out of control and this world is out of control, in some ways it really is, there are things we can do to ground ourselves and stay close to the people that love us and be grateful for what it is that we can control, that we have in our lives, to kind of cut through that noise. That was serial entrepreneur, author, and thought leader, Sophia Amoruso. Follow Sophia online at Sophia Amoruso and visit takebusinessclass.com for more information about the course. You can also follow us at Slow Stories Official on Instagram and at Slow Stories Pod on Twitter. I'm Rachel Schwartzman. Thank you so much for listening to Slow Stories. 